Hi guys, welcome back to The Hangout. It's Sid, and if you love music as much as I do, well, this is the perfect podcast for you. Today, we've got, in my opinion, a Canadian legend who is a multi-talented guitar player, musical director, producer, composer, and engineer coming in from Toronto. He's worked alongside some of your favorite artists in the music industry, like Camila Cabello, John Mayer, Ed Sheeran, and of course, Shawn Mendes. I'm so excited to have Zubin Thacker on today's episode. How are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing great. It's sunny over here in Vancouver, so that's all we can ask for. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, it's not here, but still oh, a great no. day. Thank, thank you for having me on. I want to talk about your birthday last year. You celebrated it on a very special day, and I only know this because we have the same birthday, actually. Oh, we do. Yeah, November 25th, the Netflix live and concert film dropped on your birthday. What was it like getting to celebrate with such um, like a project that you were working on for so long? It was really cool. I mean, uh, it's always nice to have something, you know, uh, extra special about your birthday, I guess, if you want to say it that way. But um, yeah, it was really nice. It was just a neat, it was a neat moment for it to come out and, you know, added a little bit of significance to it for me. So Nice. I think Mike and Dave also mentioned that you guys watched it as a band, the live and concert film. What was that yeah. kind of like getting to sit with all your band members, rewatch like the iconic Toronto show? That was that was awesome. That was like um I was really happy that we had a chance to watch it together, you know, because those were the guys that I was on stage with for, you know, a hundred plus shows. Um, and especially that Toronto show, which meant a lot to us to begin with, because we're all from the greater Toronto area. Um, so watching it with them, there's so many like little inside moments that, you know, parts that like little musical like parts or looks and all that kind of stuff that we're all so familiar with. So to be able to like, you know, just like chuckle about it or, or you know, a spot that you were like, oh, could have, you know, I wish I'd done that better or whatever it might be, you know, it's so nice to have the people who know the music, every minute detail of it you know, to kind of sit there and, and joke about it with those guys, you know, they're, they're, they're my brothers. So like to be able to watch, watch it together was amazing. How long have you known all of the band members for? Because I think you and Mike go back quite a long time and then. Yeah. Mike and I, uh, I think we met in 2010. Um, and Eddie, I think I met around probably somewhere around the same time. Mike and I worked together a lot though, for over the past you know, 10 or 11 or 12, however long I've known him for. We have uh, have worked together quite a bit uh, in various projects. Um, Eddie, with Eddie uh, working on the Sean thing was the first thing we'd done together, but I know I'd known about him for a long time and his talent and he'd worked with Mike a lot. And Dave, I uh, I met really at his kind of first Sean Mendes audition is when, when I met Dave, so. I was, we were just, we just launched the Dave episode and he was talking about his audition and how he had a little cloth and he wiped down his little bass and everything. <laughs> and he was like, you guys weren't too impressed, but <laughs> he's there now, so <laughs> something Exactly, worked. yeah, totally. I mean, Dave is amazing. And he was like, a, it's such a, he's such a great find, you know? Um, and I'm so happy that he's risen to the occasion the way that he has as well. He's just an incredible player and incredible hang and perfect. He's like the perfect person you want to have on the road with you. That's amazing. You also got to do some audio mixing for the film as well as compose some instrumental pieces. What was that process kind of like? Um, 
it was uh, it was interesting because it was done over the course of you know 2020, which was a crazy year for everyone, um, and sort of a, a revamp on how you do and approach work. You know, um, so it was in it was intense, but it was also really great to be able to see the project all the way through to the to the end stage. Where, of course, generally when you're putting together a tour, you spend a lot of time creating the musical arrangements and rehearsing them, and then playing them in the moment in the room at the, at the show, and then that's the end of that moment it ends you know what I mean um and you do everything you can to make sure that the vision and execution of it all happens the way it's supposed to happen um but when it's something then is captured on film and the audio is captured and then lives on forever then it's extra special to be able to make sure that that vision is seen all the way through to the end you know the way the mixing process sometimes works is you do these things and you you record the audio you record the video and then a third party kind of independent to the project kind of spends a couple of days doing their thing. And then there it is. And maybe it's balanced the way you wanted to hear it and the way it's intended to be heard, or maybe it's a little bit off. And then, so to be able to, to actually, uh, you know, take the project all the way through to that point and be like, no, this is how it's supposed to be presented is great. You know, it was really like satisfying to be able to see the the whole circular process of it. That's so cool. I want to talk about kind of like the pre-production to a tour. And you sure. mentioned before you have a strategy going into creating the set list. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. So um, creating like a tour set list or I mean, any kind of set list, whether it's a headlining show, like on a tour where you're going to be playing, you know, uh, 60 or 90 minutes or something like that, like a long set um, for your audience, meaning like the artist is the headliner, you know, um, is different than when you create a set list for say a festival, um, even if the artist might be the headliner at the festival, just because generally at a festival, you're going to be playing to lots of people who aren't just there just to see that that artist. They're there to see all sorts of different bands and artists and they might they might know a lot of the, the hits, but they might not know a lot of the other album tracks and things like that. While on a tour, you're likely, uh, you know, the room is likely full of people who bought a ticket just to see that artist. So they are gonna be much more familiar with all of the material, all the album tracks, all that kind of stuff. So you have more things to play with. Um, and then also there's a difference between like a short set. So if you're doing like just a 30 minute festival set or like a event, whatever it might be, it's some, some kind of shortened 30 minute set versus 60 or 90 or longer. All those things kind of change how you have to look at the set list. So I'm pretty nerdy about it. I, I have a spreadsheet that I like to kind of crack open and, and it kind of feels like it gives me, it makes me, gives me the impression that I have some sort of, you know, control over the, of the way it might be received at the end of the day. But I'll go through and put in like, you know, it depend. it doesn't matter what, who, who the artist is, but I'll go through and get all the songs from all the albums that the artist might have out at the moment. Um, and I'll kind of arrange it into columns by album. And then I'll go through and I'll highlight all the hits, you know, all the, the big songs, the big singles and stuff, maybe highlight them in green or whatever it is, um, bold them so that I can quickly identify where are those hit songs coming from, what album. So in, in terms of like what time period did that come out in? Mm. So for an artist that let's say has 10 albums out, you want to know, and they're currently on selling their tour for the current album, like you need to sort of be able to place enough hits from enough portions of their discography to keep it interesting for all the people that might be at the show. Um, so anyways, I'll go through, identify the hits, and then I'll go through and identify the tempo and key of each song. Um, the tempo for the sole reason that you want to make sure you're pacing the set list correctly when you're putting together a show. So you've got 
you know, you don't just have like four or five slow songs all grouped together or, you know, seven or eight of your really up-tempo songs, whether they're hits or album tracks or not, those up-tempo energy moments, you need to like, you need to use those and place them in strategic places to keep the energy going in the room, you know? Um, So identifying that stuff is really important. And then I'll just start going through and playing with ideas, like just different orders and, and making sure that uh, if we want to do like an interesting transition, let's say from one song into another, sometimes you're lucky where the key of the songs might work out, you know, and you're able to flow from one song into the next with some sort of musical interlude that feels really cohesive. And if you're not, then sometimes that's where you have to get creative and figure out ways to sort of switch and change the keys to get yourself from point A to point B if you need a transition there. Um, but it's an involved process and I'll sort of put together some ideas. The artist always has lots of ideas on how the set should be, of course. And then depending on the team, maybe management, maybe, you know, uh, other the creative director who might be involved in a tour or a show might have ideas on uh, certain songs and where they might be placed. A lot of discussion goes into the opening song and the closing song. Of course, those are like, you know, two of your biggest moments in the show. So it starts there, though. That's crazy. When do you decide or how do you decide when like guitar solos come in, too? Because that's a big part of like the crowd going wild and it's like, go, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's um, I don't really know how we decide. That's usually song dependent. It's not necessarily Mm. like we need it. Like there's never a point where it's like we need a guitar solo here. (laughs) you know as much as I'd like to think there might be a need for it (laughs) it's usually like it's if the song calls for it if if it's not already in the song meaning it's not already in the studio version let's say of the song some songs just lend themselves to the idea of an added section of something like some kind of jam or solo or instrumental thing and whether that turns into a guitar solo or just a cool jam that sort of you know that kind of depends on the song over the last you've had like a crazy career over the last however many years, what do you think, I don't know if you can pinpoint it, but what is one of the biggest takeaways um, being in the music industry? Sure. Uh, it is definitely, a. Uh, I have found in my experience that it's, it is definitely a journey, you know, in the sense that like, there's not just like some sort of like magical moment that occurs, you know, or like, and there's no path. There's no specific point A to point B path to it at all. Everyone I know has had a, a different experience in terms of how they've got where they are and whatever level of success that might be. But, you know, some people go to school for music. Some people don't. Some people go to school for like audio engineering. Some people go on YouTube, you know what I mean? And some people have success right away. uh, And some people have success after 10 years, you know what I mean? And some people don't, you know, and some people just kind of are, will happily just kind of continue the work for the sake of doing the work because that's all they're interested in doing, you know? Um, So the biggest takeaway is to sort of like, if is there's no specific point A to point B and, and it's, it's a marathon and it's like, it's all of those cliches that people say, but it it really is the case. And if you want to do it, just do it. Like you just got to start doing it, you know? I think you've mentioned before that you feel like you've been living like a very surreal lifestyle and career, being able to do what you love. What was it like, or what, do you have a specific point where you kind of realize like, whoa, I'm actually getting to do what I love for a living? Yeah, those, those moments happen and, and they happen a lot, you know? Um, And they generally happen, I find, when you're sort of out of the, out of the woods with something like with a project, you know, like while you're out, I mean, this is for everything when you're in the middle of something and you're working intensely on something and 
you know, um, it could be a stressful experience or intense deadlines, whatever that stuff may be. Uh, it's not, you don't always see, you know, you don't always have the perspective to be able to zoom out and see that, oh, wow, I actually am doing the thing that I've always wanted to do. You know, um, I, I like the process of it a lot. I like to celebrate all the small little blips of wins that come along the way. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that because it's a, it's a tough business and like, you have to stay optimistic within it because there's, it's easy to get down on things. And I've been so lucky that, uh, I've had projects that have felt like growth always, you know? Um, so, so maybe it's easy for me to be able to say that, but like, I celebrate every little thing that kind of pops up along the way. But, and by celebrate, I mean, like, I think of it like, I'll kind of like, I'll be like, wow, that's cool that that happened. And then kind of move on from it, of course. But like, you know, you truly love like the whole process. And that's just, it just shows that you really love what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, you, you really, I, I like the nitty gritty of it. You know, I don't just, I'm not just like, oh, I just need to play. Like I, I only like playing shows or, right. you know, I like the preparation that goes into it. I like the like agonizing over sounds and details of sounds and the, all the post you know, mixing that can go into projects. And I do studio work as well outside of live work. And that in itself can be a, just a deep dive on minutiae, you know, and, you know, analyzing tiny, the tiniest little details that might be able to give you an extra 1%, 2% bump in quality of the product at the end of the day. All that stuff, I think it's important. And I, I don't mind slaving over it, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm not a stranger to that. So I find that all sort of, while sometimes taxing, I do find it rewarding to be able to, to be able to call that work, you know, so. Nice. Was there a point or specific um, time in your career where you realized you were be able, you'd be able to do this full time? No. And I, I still don't really like, I, it still seems insane to me. So I always just sort of feel like pinching myself and I just find this all very surreal still, you know? Because people tell you, people ask you when you're growing up, you're like, oh, what do you want to do in the future? What's your career? And you're just like, I don't know. I just want to do something that I love. And I feel like that's exactly what you're doing right now. It, like abso it absolutely it. is. I can't, I can't say that it's not in any way. It is exactly what I exactly what I love. And I didn't never, I didn't realize when, you know, I was younger or a kid or in high school or whatever, that this wasn't, that you could do this as a job. You know what I mean? It always sort of just seemed like either, either you were like a giant superstar and, or you weren't doing something in this, it, when music, just because I didn't realize there are so many different things you can do within the industry. Um, like, you know, for example, the job I currently do or the jobs I currently do, I should say, I, you don't always hear about those as when you're a kid as much as you just hear about being in a band or being, a, you know, being a singer, whatever that is, you know. So I didn't necessarily I, I just was sort of obsessed with music and just like, like kept chasing and chasing and chasing something. And then I kind of like eventually turned into something with a bit more structure and eventually turned into something where it was a gig, like you were actually hired to do something, you know, I, I don't, you know, I know it sounds strange, but like, it was just like a obsessive hobby that I did never stop doing, you know? Well, that's like inspiring for people who are kind of like the dreamer type where they think they can just do what they love and turn it into something. And so your story is an inspiration for many people. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't always think it that way. Cause like, I, um, I went to school for like a very stable, uh, like a systems design engineering, which is essentially a computer engineering. Um, 
so I went to school for five years for that, for to university. And it wasn't like while I was doing that, I didn't assume that I would just be a musician instead. Like I was, I didn't really know what I thought at the time, I think, you know, in terms of what I would do for the, you know, for my career or job or whatever. Um, but it just sort of worked out that way, you know, because I, I never let the sort of, I never let the music side go. I just mm-hmm. kept doing it, you know, and I wasn't necessarily doing it with a specific, like a really realized goal in mind. I was just kind of chasing it, something that I love to do. And it, you know, it kind of snowballed into this. That's just crazy. For your earliest, early ex- earlier experiences from like being a director at your talent show in high school to um, your band prize fighters, did, how did that kind of prepare you for the career that you have today? So um, in my high school, there was a talent show that was all student run and I was really heavily involved in it, um, right starting sort of from grade nine you know, through till the end of high school. And it, you know, I, I joke about it, but it's sort of, it's very similar to the, to the job I have as a musical director now where you're, you know, auditioning players, putting together like a band, you know, creating a set list based around a theme um, and then rehearsing those songs, like, you know, till they sound as good as they possibly can. And then eventually going and you put on a big show you know, and there's like sound and lights that you have to consider, you know, obviously it's all at a much different scale and much different everything, but the sort of core idea of it is, is very much the same. Um, and then that talent show, you know, gave me the confidence to think that, you know, I want to have my own band. I started my own band, you know, wrote my own songs. I was the singer in the band, produced the records at home, learned how to do all that stuff. And again, just sort of was, I would just keep chasing these things even if I didn't know how to do something or didn't know how to, didn't know someone to do something for something music related, I would just try to figure out how to do it myself. So that sort of mentality just kind of kept going and kept going. And it was sort of, it very much prepared me for, you know, my, you know, start as a professional quote unquote musician, you know, cause that is what it is. You just have to keep doing things yourself. You have to figure things out and do them, you know, within, in the context of, of music, you know. What are you most looking forward to when this whole pandemic is kind of over and everyone can go back on the road and make music and do that? Like, what are you most looking forward to? <laughs> most looking forward to, I mean, I, I love just, I love making the sounds. <laughs> when what I mean by that, I love like, we put our in-ears that we're in a rehearsal. It doesn't matter if it's a rehearsal or a show or a recording studio or whatever it is, I get a lot of satisfaction from putting on the headphones, putting on the in-ears or whatever it is, and just playing the songs, playing songs, period, whatever, whatever they are for whoever they are. Um, And kind of going from that point of how should this sound to this is it, the end product of that and playing it a hundred times, you know, like I really get a lot of satisfaction out of the sonics of it all. And the sort of the, the A to B, the start a song, how is this supposed to go to the finished product of it? So I get a lot of satisfaction from that. And, and obviously we haven't been doing a lot of that, you know, and no one has. So, so that's something I'm looking forward to, but I'm also like, I'm, I'm really looking forward to just obviously just playing shows again, how, how, whatever, in whatever capacity that might be, you know, Um, and you know, it's always like a cherry on top when you get to travel. That's amazing, you know? Um, so I'm looking forward to that, you know, that'll be, 
it sounds so strange to even say it right now because it's like literally the opposite of what we're all doing and what we're sort of, you know, um, should be doing, which is, you know, to sort of stay at home and, and uh, not travel and not, and not be out there in the world, which is completely fair right now, but it'll be nice when that's safe to do that again. Yeah, totally. It was, well, watching back like the live in concert and seeing that many people inside of Rogers Center and just like the crowds and crowds, I was like, we were at that point where we yeah. could do that. And I was like, whoa. I know, not that long ago. And like, you know, I mean, <laughs> a year yeah. and a half ago, we were all doing that stuff, right? Yeah. And I was scrolling on your Instagram and I truly see your biggest smile when you are on stage. You just have the time of your life. Um, for the Hangout or show, we always want to talk about sort of how music impacts you. And it, this is a deep philosophical question. It's not an easy one to answer, but um, by all means, but how do you think music has changed your life or impacted it in your own way? I mean, it, it has made, you know, a giant difference on my life for so many reasons, like going all the way back to when I first got into music. Um, so I, got, I got my first guitar in grade seven and that changed my that changed my life at the time, you know, um, it like really brought me out of my shell and all the things that, you know, you hear about when you kind of find something you love to do and want to share it. Cause like, I was always very much into the idea of like playing music with other people, being in a band, starting a band, finding a band, doing all that, all that stuff was like priority number one. A lot. It wasn't just play alone in my room. Kind of, I always wanted to like do something and make it like I wanted to, to, to sound or feel like I the videos I used to see on much music when I was a kid in grade seven you know and I would chase that so it changed my life when I got my guitar and then of course like you know fast forward to when I started doing it more professionally that changed my life too I never thought that you know I was always like oh, am I going to work in an office or am I going to be an engineer or like a, what am I doing am I like am I a programmer I, I didn't know what I was going to do it never I didn't have a clear vision of that so when the music thing started actually to work, like I started working, it, of course, it changed my life and my perspective on everything again. And then take, you know, five years forward to, you know, when I got the call to, to work on the, uh, the Sean project that changed my life, of course, too. I really sort of notice it and feel the sort of connection I have to certain songs and certain moments, certain concerts, whatever it might be. So it's no doubt that it's had a giant impact on every every day of my life you know that's amazing and do you find that you have different takeaways with music when you're playing it versus creating it to listening to it yeah I definitely it, it it's I really appreciate the moments lately especially over the last you know six months to a year where I've started taking like these really long walks uh trying to walk 10,000 steps a day so I've got my headphones in now um and I've reconnected with the idea of just listening to music, which is nice, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes when you're in the middle of like working a lot on music, you're not always just popping your headphones in or listening to music just for fun, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and if you are, sometimes you're doing it and you're referencing other music, you're referencing other ideas, or you're, even if you're trying to listen to something just for the sake of listening to it, if you're really hyper in work mode, you're, and all of a sudden your like brain is analyzing all these things you're hearing and you don't necessarily want to be doing that. Um, so I've really appreciated over the last little while, um, just being able to kind of uh, like walk and kind of zen out and just listen to music. And it's been amazing. I also have like, I've got two little boys at home. So we listen to a lot of, uh, we listen to a lot of like Disney music and things like that, which Love in it. itself, I mean, some of the greatest songs ever, <laughs> um, but also a really great way to just appreciate uh, 
music without analyzing it because you, you know that stuff is very disconnected from a lot of the work that I do but also seeing its effect on them they're you know mm-hmm. three and six years old to seeing what music does and to them and how they react to certain songs and how they sing along or how they dance along is like it rekindles your appreciation and love for what music is or even what I think I might be adding into the sort of general spectrum of music you know totally are you finding yourself teaching them guitar or like other instruments as well a little bit but not a lot like they're uh they they love the idea of it all they love like they're they're quite like they're quite familiar with the concept of all these things like concerts and live music versus studio music like you know what I mean like they they under the six-year-old uh he understands those differences he's kind of seen it a lot and like when I'm working uh in Pro Tools which is sort of this music program that I do a lot of work within like they'll pop down all the time and see what I'm up to and you know you're able to sort of solo out and different tracks of a big song you might be working on and explain to them this is how a song comes together. So I can play just the drums of a section or just the snare drum or just the guitar part or just the backup vocals or whatever it is. They're definitely developing some sort of concept of what that means. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Am I taking, you know, peeling the curtain back too quickly? I don't know. But um, but I don't, like, we don't sit down for guitar lessons or anything like that. Uh, they're, they're, way too, they're way too crazy right now for that stuff. And I don't think they would sit down for me. I think they, they'll, they'll probably need to kind of have like, you know, a third party sort of teacher involved, but they're around it a lot, which is cool. And they definitely feel there's, they have like a feel connection to it, which is, which is great, you know? And that's, that's just as important, I think, as the technicality of where your hands go. And that's why I think it's so special because like every single episode we talk to different artists and every single time there's a new story of how music is impacting their life. And it's so cool to hear your story. What do you think is your, like you're constantly pushing yourself and you're always wanting to learn and grow. Where do you, what is your five-year goal? Maybe five-year goal. Wow. (laughs) I would love to still be doing what I love in five years from now, whether it's um, very specifically in like in music, in this exact context. I just want to be able to love what I do always, you know, it's such a gift. And like, I would hate for that to ever be taken away from me, you know? What are you doing to continue to grow and learn? Because you have been doing this for so long. Yeah, totally. I'm constantly listening, constantly watching things. There's been so much content that's come out over the past year, Mm -hmm. Um, even though we're, you know, in the middle of love, because we're in this, you know, strange situation in the world, artists are doing so much and releasing so much content now. There's all these live streams all the time. And, you know, there's just so much out there. So I'm constantly watching things, constantly listening, you know, working on different sounds. You know, when it comes to guitar stuff, I'm endlessly tweaking tones and ideas and different effects. I'm really into the gear of everything. So I'm always researching. I'm always on YouTube watching gear videos and tutorials on this thing, or, you know, I might hear like a really great drum sound on something and I'll try to chase down how to make that sound or, you know, might hear a really great mix, like a complete mix of something in the live context or in the studio context. So you're constantly sort of searching, searching those things out and, and how to better your craft. It's an endless quest, you know, which is what's probably exciting about it too, you know, because, and it's great too, because people are like the music is a creative field. So everyone around you is constantly growing and therefore pushing you. And it's like sort of like a cyclical thing that occurs, you know, everyone continues to grow 
and then one, oh, I better learn how to do that, grow. Okay, oh, someone just saw that, we better learn how to do that, grow. you know? So so there's this kind of constant effect of that happening, you know? Totally. Okay, I will end this podcast episode. You mentioned Disney. What is the Disney song that you are dancing to, singing to, having a jam out session with? <laughs> well, right, so we just watched, um, I actually don't think this is a Disney movie, but it's it's close enough. We watched the movie Ferdinand last week. Oh, nice! Amazing movie. Um, <laughs> I actually don't know who did it, but it's a it's a great kids movie. And there's like there's this really great song in it called I'm just looking it up. I think it's called Lay Your Head on Me. I think Juanes does it. He's a a Latin artist, I think. Um, it's this right here. Really, it's a really cute movie, but the song is really great. And if if that doesn't bring a smile to your face, then I mean. You got to get your ears checked. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming onto the show and chatting about music. It was a pleasure. That was Zubin. Thank Thakur. you for having me. <laughs>